conquer local. Come on, George, I'm happy to be here. I help leaders go from anxiety to authority under pressure. And then let's go and get it. It's an ecosystem. The hardest part here is going to be getting me to shut up on this one. Conquer Local with Vendasta, hosted by George Lee. This is the Conquer Local podcast, a show about billion-dollar sales leaders, marketers leading local economic growth, and entrepreneurs that have created their dream organizations. They want to share their secrets, giving you the distilled version of their extraordinary feats. Our hope is, with the tangible takeaways from each episode, you can rewire, rework, and reimagine your business. I'm George Leith, and on this episode, we welcome Kwame Christian. Kwame is a best-selling author and business lawyer and the CEO of the American Negotiation Institute. After his successful TED Talk, Kwame released his bestseller, Finding Confidence in Conflict, How to Negotiate Anything and Live Your Best Life. In 2018, that book hit bookshelves. His second book is out now, How to Have Difficult Conversations About Race. His podcast, Negotiate Anything, is the number one negotiation podcast in the world. And he has a new podcast called Negotiate Real Change that you should check out. He's a regular contributor to Forbes, and we invite you to get ready, Conquerors. Kwame Christian, coming up next on this week's episode of the Conquer Local Podcast. In an increasingly digital world, we must all rise to the challenge of engaging with consumers in new and relevant ways. Join podcast host George Leith at the latest installment of our virtual event, Conquer Local Connect, on October 12th. At this free virtual event, you'll learn valuable insights on ways to grow profitably in the changing digital economy. Learn new ways to scale while still creating value for the clients you serve. Plus, you'll receive exclusive access to your brand new million dollar pitch deck for selling digital. Harness the stories, strategies, and tips to engage clients on the value of a strong online presence. Visit Vendasta.com slash ConquerLocalConnect to register or access the link in the show notes. You're not going to want to miss out. Learn about emerging consumer trends, ways to operate more profitably, and how to set yourself up for success. Get actionable strategies and invaluable insights from business owners who are growing with Vendasta. And get the inside scoop on new and upcoming releases from Vendasta. Register for free today at vendasta.com slash conquerlocalconnect or access the link in the show notes. Adapt and thrive in the age of disruption. Let's conquer local together. So the book, Finding Confidence in Conflict, how to negotiate anything and live your best life. Love the title because everybody wants to live their best life. Um, also, I would believe that everybody wants to figure out how to negotiate anything because as you've identified a few times in our conversation, everything is a negotiation. Um, this book has been very, very successful. It's led you to lots of speaking events and things like that. I want to talk specifically about this book now and how did, how did it come to be? And what were some of the cool things that came out of the book after you released it? Ah, yes. Finding Confidence in Conflict, the first one. <clears throat> Correct. Yes. So this was interesting. I think you'd appreciate the way that I even titled it, too, because for me, I am all about negotiation, negotiation, negotiation. OK, well, cool. How come negotiation isn't in the main title? So I actually surveyed the audience and just did a word frequency search. And the two things that came up the most were conflict and confidence. They're afraid 
of conflict and they don't have the confidence to have these conversations. And so what I realized is that I needed to pick a different starting point for these books because it doesn't make sense to give recipes to people who are afraid to get in the kitchen. If I'm giving you all of these tools and tactics, but you don't have the confidence to use them, you're not going to use them. And if you do, you're going to use them ineffectively. And for me, it was actually really refreshing because I'm a recovering people pleaser, believe it or not. So I was really, I really struggled to stand up for myself and have difficult conversations. And it wasn't until I started to, I learned how to negotiate in law school by taking those classes and competing in, in really fun competitions that I had this realization, like, this is a, this is a talent. This is a skill, not a talent. I can actually learn. I can improve. And so for me, I wanted to make sure that I approached this in a way that allowed people to have the, that same life-changing revelation. Because like I said, I, I believe the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversations. So I wanted to make sure that I built people up so they had the right foundation of confidence and they could overcome those barriers. Like the first 70% is just helping people to overcome those barriers. And then the last part of the book is really going deep into the methodology. I didn't want to give people too many tactics or strategies. I, I forced myself to just focus on that one. So we're, we're not going to be successful in negotiating anything and living our best life if we don't first build the skills to have confidence to walk into difficult conversations. Because I don't think I've ever been in an interview, whether I'm the interviewee or the interview or going, so how do you like having difficult conversations? Oh, I love them. Let me tell you all the reasons, <laughs> right? Like I, that's not something that you just talk about over a beer. Right. Yeah. And and that's the thing. It's it's one of those things where it's it's so ubiquitous that we can miss it. It's like the uh, the graduation speech that went viral where the person said there were two fish swimming and one fish came up to the other one and said, how's the water? And the other one said, what's water? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like it's like a question that's almost too obvious to ask. And when it comes down to it, our success and failure in life is to a large extent is going to be contingent upon how well or how poorly we have these conversations. So, no, of course, for sales professionals, <laughs> this is your life. Right. But even for engineers. OK, you might have your calculations might be right. But if you can't talk the other person into believing that you're right, then you're still going to struggle, too. So if we were to break down this, the confidence by the way, I completely agree with everything that, you, that you're saying here. What, what would be your tips to our audience on maybe three or four things that you could hone as a skill? You've identified it's a skill that you can learn. Three or four things you could hone as a skill to improve your confidence going into difficult situations. Yes. So one is rejection therapy. This is uh, taken from the, the TED Talk, 100 Days of Rejection. Oh, one, one second. Before we go there, is this yeah. like my entire teenage years of rejection? Because I got rejected a lot in the early years. Is that you're going back into George's? George, that's what makes you such a good salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> you've, got, you've gotten over that at this point. I just expect it. <laughs> oh it's good but but yes i i there was this great ted talk 100 days of rejection and it was a guy who realized that his fear of rejection was holding him back so he said listen every day i'm going to try to get rejected for, from something i'm going to ask for something and then he was really shocked at just how many yeses he got <laughs> along the way and so it made him a lot stronger but also realized just how powerful his persuasion can be right so i i i would challenge people 
to start asking for more things. Not in a greedy type of sense, but in, if you start to feel that little fear, like, mm, I don't want to say something. Nope, now you have to say something. Oh, I don't want to ask for that. Well, now you have to, right? And it's just really training that, getting that muscle memory down. So that's one thing, actually engaging in intentional attempts to to get rejected. Um, the next thing is Can using I, some I, of- I, I'm oh, sorry, I, my up. brain is going a little slower because uh, I was thinking about all the times I've been rejected. But <laughs> I I think that what you're saying there is if you, you get better at asking, you'll realize that there isn't as many rejections as you expected there to be. Bingo. Yeah. And let me give you an example, just to put it in context. Right. Um, I remember one time I was uh, getting a I was getting coffee and I was getting a pastry because it was my birthday. They said, hey, Kwame, happy birthday. You get a free pastry. I said, hey, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm here mentoring uh, my friend. Um, can he get a free pastry, too? And she said, oh, well, you know, I don't know. I'd probably have to ask the manager. Then I said, well, can you please ask the manager? And so they, she came back and she's like, yeah, your friend can have one. No problem. It's like, I didn't think that was possible. Right. And so what ends up happening is that the asks have to be bigger because you're more persuasive than you realize. And then when you actually start seeking it out, it, it starts to give you that uh, it desensitizes you in, in the best of ways, because a lot of times we won't shoot our shot simply because we're afraid of asking. Would this be, uh, to bring it back to our audience in sales, I think this is why role-playing is so important in sales because you have all these preconceived notions about what's going to happen because you haven't articulated and, and ran through the various scenarios. So it, it's building up that muscle memory that, oh yeah, nobody died. Like we had a saying here that I don't know if it's official in our company. It's like, if we change, what's the worst that could happen? Nobody's going to oh, die. I know that that's a very, you know, binary thing. Like, did people die or did they not? It's not really all that healthy. But part of it is just getting over that internal, whatever it is that, that keeps you from asking the question. 100%. And uh, yeah, I am so glad you said this because I'm, I'm big on that, that exercise. And so when I have my clients do role plays, first, what I have them do is role play as the person they're going to talk to. And so they have the opportunity to really experience it from their perspective, from the other perspective. And they find themselves coming up with these arguments and points that they never would have thought about. And then we flip it and I try to, I'm on the other side. I have them tell me about their greatest fear in the conversation. And then for me as a coach, I get to become that. <laughs> and and um, we actually put some of these episodes up as sparring sessions where I have the guests come on and then I have them, then we do a sparring session where it's an unscripted negotiation because I want the audience to understand just how imperfect these conversations can be with the, the stutters, ums, pauses, the silences, all of that. No, I, I want that imperfection so you can actually feel it. And so once you get more of those reps in, role-playing in, bo in both of those ways, it really, it, you feel like you've been in the conversation before. It's one of the best ways to improve your confidence going into these conversations. Oh, I, I love that. I, I, can, I love role-playing. And I remember in the early days when, when I started to coach and teach, I found that I was really bad at it, by the way. So if you're going to coach and teach something, you better get good at role playing and thinking on your feet because that's not going to go well for you. In in the the notes on Amazon, when I read about the bestseller, I, there was something that really jumped out at me. How to diffuse, I wish I would have had this yesterday, by the way, at home with my wife. How to diffuse potentially explosive conflicts before the conversation breaks down and you got to buy flowers. 
<laughs> it sounds like you're coming from a place of pain. I have been there before. So let's talk. In about the it. last 24 hours, I might add. Yes. <laughs> and to this point, actually, this might be an aside that's helpful for the, the listeners too. Um, whenever I have experts on the podcast, they always say the same thing. They struggle with these conversations with family members. And it's because the relationship is closer, the stakes are higher, there's that emotional tie. And usually when we're having these conversations, it's toward the end of the day and we've given our best to other people. And so we don't have the, uh, it's called ego depletion in the psychological world. We've made so many decisions. Our brain is tired. We're quick, (laughs) quick to become emotional and we lose our form. And that's what happens at home a lot of times. You know, Kwame, you just, you just triggered something. Can we talk about the lizard brain? Let's do it. Because I, I know if you were to talk to uh, an individual, whether it be in a sales negotiation or personal negotiation, I love the fact you called out that family is one of the harder negotiations. Um, in your opinion, if the lizard brain is triggered <laughs> um, and they're just not hearing anything now, is it better just to walk away and come back to fight another day? Or how would you coach us on, on handling that? Well, you know, speaking about biases and stereotypes, let me walk right into one right now and give the answer of it depends as a lawyer, of course. And so (laughs) if the if the level of emotionality is too great, then we recruit the power of sleep. And when what people don't realize about sleep is that it's there is a component of emotional regulation that happens at night during the REM cycle. So usually people are not as triggered the next day. So giving that time to sleep is really powerful. Now, if they, if we realize that we we're, the conversation is still in play, right, the, I can manage this. I can bring them back down. How do I do this? Um, we have to remember this really important point. It doesn't make sense to send a message to a person who is not psychologically ready to receive it. It's like trying to discipline a child who's having a tantrum in the middle of a tantrum. Their brains literally cannot compute. And so a lot of times we have these really beautifully crafted um, rational arguments that are data-based, objective, grounded in reality. And then we find ourselves in this really tricky situation where we don't know what to do because our facts don't work. (laughs) What do we do? And so that's why with the compassionate curiosity framework, we put the emotional side first. So we're going to acknowledge and validate the emotion. And the reason we do this is because in psychology, what they say is you have to name it to tame it. So you label the emotion. It takes you out of that lizard braid, amygdala type of limbic response. And then it triggers the frontal lobe, which calms you down. So let's say last night, I'm, I'm going to be George and I'll, I'll play this, uh, this role play with, with your spouse here. And so I'll say, Honey, it sounds like you're a little bit frustrated with the situation. Yeah, George, I'm frustrated because of X, Y, Z. Now, the temptation that you might have is to jump in and defend yourself at that point. But I'm still hearing some emotion, so I'm going to validate it. Honey, that makes a lot of sense. I can completely understand why you feel this way, given what happened. Can you tell me a little bit more? And so I'm going to give her space to decompress. And then as I realize that level of emotionality starts to drop down, That's when I transition into getting curious with compassion and I'll start to ask open-ended questions. Okay. So can, I want to try to be with you as we, as we work together to solve this problem. What do you think we could have done differently to avoid this situation? Cool. So I'm going to ask questions with a compassionate tone, give them the opportunity to speak and, and share. And I'm empathizing. 
and then we transition to um, joint problem solving toward the end. But we have to really focus on the emotional side first. Oh, I wish we would have recorded this day before yesterday um, because I <laughs> broke all those rules. Um, I just went right to solution. <laughs> Probably should have listened yeah. a little bit more. But um, no, I, I'm, I'm kind of joking, but I'm not. Because I think that we that's why the role play is so important going into it is to practice how you're going to deal with the various situations. I love the term compassionate curiosity framework because to come to common ground, you have to approach it with empathy and on that curiosity. But the, the compassionate piece is important. And now we go back to you can't bleed them all out, take everything off the table, right? If you're truly being compassionate, you're actually trying to get to a win-win. How important is win-win in negotiation? It's critical to have that type of that mentality, but we also have to recognize what that is because in order to have a true win-win, there needs to be a mutuality of that goal, right? So that other person needs to believe that because what ends up happening is if we become a little bit too dogmatic and ideological in our win-win mentality, when we're confronted with somebody who is clearly win-lose and those do exist, then they're going to take your lunch and you are going to feel compelled to bear the weight of being reasonable. And so you're going to be offering concessions and not getting those concessions in return. And so for me, we have to be really flexible. Win-win is always my go-to first approach. But then if I start to realize and start to get those senses that, hey, you know what, this, this person might not be, <laughs> might not be on the same, uh, playing the same uh, playbook here, then I need to be a little bit more assertive in my approach. But I definitely want to give people that opportunity to prove me wrong. Well, I love that you said that because um, I think that especially in sales, we can have a tendency to think that if I just get a bunch of yeses, everything's going to work out for me. But the art of being able to say, no, we don't do that. No, I'm not going to be able to get that done for you might be a way to keep from not having anything left to give down the road. And I just wanted to validate that with you. Absolutely. You're, you're right. And also when you stand up for yourself and you set boundaries, it helps people to respect you more, your product, your service and your company. Because if you just keep on giving and giving, then they say, this person's a pushover. I'm just going <laughs> to going to keep on pushing. Right. And so one of the things that I tell people, especially in transactional negotiations, is that we number one, we want to concede according to plan. I'm not going to make a concession off the fly that I wasn't planning on making. And if somebody makes a good offer, I'm not going to feel compelled to accept on the call. I'm going to think it through because there is still the possibility that that little people pleaser inside of me is still there. And I'm responding to that pressure to please rather than making a good decision, right? So number one is concede according to plan. The next thing is when we think about compromise, we want the word compromise can't exist by itself. It needs to be either a strategic compromise where I'm making this move in order to advance my strategic ob objectives and I'm thinking in that way, or it's a reciprocal compromise where it's an if-then proposition. If I give you this, then I you give me that. So that helps to guarantee that we're not giving up too much ground in the negotiation without getting something in return. Well, Kwame, I'll tell you, we could probably talk for hours and uh, I feel a hell of a lot smarter than uh, now than I did when we first started communicating because I, I just am captivated by the methodology that you have around this negotiation um, structure that you put in place. It's just 
phenomenal. And, and we really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing this information with us. I'm pretty sure we're going to be able to put this into two episodes. And that, that happens from time to time over our six years with the show. We, we get a great thought leader like yourself and we just want to milk as much information out of you as can. But I hope I left some juice in, in the orange. Is there still a little bit left there? <laughs> I like that. You came full circle. So yes, man, I appreciate it. I can uh, be taught. I can be taught. <laughs> that is great. No, I appreciate this. This was a lot of fun, man. Kwame Christian is the founder and CEO of the American Negotiation Institute. Two amazing books, Finding Confidence in Conflict, How to Negotiate Anything and Live Your Best Life. And I want you to say it because it's now out on bookshelves and on Amazon. The title of your second book? Yes, it is titled How to Have Difficult Conversations About Race. And I named it that because I couldn't think of anything cooler. And <laughs> well, it's a pretty cool title. What and what about the podcast? Because this podcast, I'll tell you, producer Suleiman says we're gonna we're just gonna take Kwame's metrics and we're gonna try and do that because that's what good looks like. <laughs> a million and a half listens. You've got folks listening to you in fifty different countries. Congratulations on that because we all know how hard it is to build a podcast. I appreciate it. It's it's been a grind. It's been a grind, but we're at it was six years, over six hundred episodes, which sounds crazy to say. But we we've been uh, we've been moving. So we have three shows now. We have negotiate anything, which is five days a week, um, and then we have negotiate real change, where people can take these negotiation and conflict resolution principles and help to create better environments within their workplaces. And then lastly, negociación desde cero. That is our Spanish language negotiation podcast as well. Uh, it's just uh, amazing. Well, thank you very much for uh, joining us on the show. We really appreciate all the knowledge bombs that have been dropped here over the past two episodes. Kwame Christian, our guest this week on the Conquer Local podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. a great episode from Kwame, part of our two episode series. The mindset and the skill set can be developed. What we have to do is get ready for the conversation when it comes out. You heard Kwame talk a lot about role playing and planning how you're going to have the conversation. And he talks about giving you the skills to have that conversation competently, accept the reality that there's always more to learn and we just have to manage our biases. They're there. There's nothing we can do about it but becoming knowledgeable that they're there and understanding how to navigate and manage those biases will help us be more effective when it comes to our conflict resolution and negotiation. If you liked Kwame's episode discussing conflict resolution and negotiation, let's continue the conversation. Don't forget about episode 538 from Kwame on finding confidence in conflict and episode 520, body language on Zoom with Mark Bowden and episode 528, Mastering Your Meetings with Caroline Goiter. Please subscribe and leave us a review. And thanks for joining us this week on the Conquer Local podcast. My name is George Leith. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local podcast presented by Vendasta. Tune in next week for a new episode. Guest discovery and produced by Sullivan Adam. Marketing by Rory Lawford, Nicole Lozon, and Sullivan Adam. Executive producers, Brendan King, George Leith, and Sullivan Adam. Recorded at Vendasta headquarters on the Canadian prairies.